All right. It is Wednesday. That means it's Lawyer Talk Roundtable Day, and we do have the roundtable fully populated. And that means that we have Norm, we have Brett from Circle 270 Media, and of course, I am here. The typical Lawyer Talk host. I'm sort of like the mainstay. I've, I've been the Lawyer Talk guy. It's like uh, the table uh, rotates, but uh, I've always been here. I don't know if that's good or bad, but... Uh, well, I, I it's like your the, table. It is my <laughs> I think table. It's a good thing. <laughs> imagine a imagine a non talking lawyer. Right? Yeah, I, it actually sounds sort of um, uh, maybe maybe uh, refreshing. There you go. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but maybe. Uh, so yeah, it is uh, September seven already. Uh, hard to believe it is. Uh, we're we're into September. I mean, this year has flown by. I was talking to tax man yesterday. And uh, just thinking, all right. He's like, well, we got a plan for the final quarter. And I was like, what do you mean final, final like, quarter? Exactly. That, that, that doesn't make any sense. Wow. This can't be true. Say yeah. it ain't so. Uh, but it is, in fact, so. Uh, it is September 7th. There has lots been going. There has been a lot of stuff happening in the world. Uh, and I see Norm's got his um, his list ready to go. Actually, I have a very short list. Yeah, I've got a couple of things. They're not yeah. necessarily a hot topic, but I'll yeah. bring up. So you, very so short your, list. Well, before we ideas. get there, let me let me uh, let me tag a few things. Is that uh, Lawyer Talk Q and A is back and running? I have been uh, for those who have been uh, tuning in and waiting and waiting and waiting. The Q and As are getting churned out at a back to the old rate. So I'm trying to get one of those out a week. So if you do have your questions, go to lawyertalkpodcast.com, submit your question, and uh, I will answer it. I did the last one with uh, Dave Goldstein, one of the attorneys in my building, great civil attorney, does litigation, does um, uh, all sorts of uh, insurance defense, injury work, uh, contract work, employment work, and he came down and helped me answer a great question about swimming pool liability, uh, and it was awesome. So I've got him on tap to answer some more. Put up a fence. Put up a fence, but what Put if you don't? A, well, I'll yeah. tell you what, uh, that is, in my mind, the number one thing you can do to reduce your liability is um, if you don't have a fence, put up a fence. Yeah, well, that could up. be for anything. You could be, it'd be a swing set. Well, but if the a little... Trampoline. The, trampoline yeah. But I mean, yeah. a pool is but especially pool, course, deadly yeah. for little kids. Sure, exactly. And if, uh, if your next door neighbor kids waddle into your yard, which they're going to be out in their own backyard and there's... Nothing preventing them from flopping into your pool. That is deadly. Yeah. I am not going to answer the question about whether the homeowner is responsible for that little tidbit that, or that little uh, scenario you've just created, but... The homeowner... You, what a tease. We all know the homeowner is responsible. If you have any... If you want to know the true answer, tune in. Lawyer Talk Q&A. Swimming pool liability with Dave Goldstein. Yeah. Uh, we answered that question and plenty of others related to lifeguards, lifeguards on duty at hotels, lifeguards on duty on beaches, the whole nine yards. So uh, it was a it was a pretty interesting one. And Norm, you will appreciate this. I showcased none other than Phoebe Cates in <laughs> okay. Fast Times at Ridgemont. Look, even to this day, my out of my the the sort of nooks and crannies of my brain in my youth, swimming pool equals Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Phoebe Cates in her red bikini, uh, gross and sick, and and contrary to uh, the Sermon on the Mount, it may be, but uh, it was. Uh, we, I didn't we, realize she was married to Kevin Klein. I didn't either. I looked her up as I did. Yeah, that. just to kind of see how she's aged. It's like she's still looking pretty good. Yeah, she's Honestly. she's a, she's I mean, always know, been on. a very uh, a good looker. Yeah, I, I could not uh, stomach that movie uh, with uh, that Sean whatever is Sean name. Penn. He's such Sean a Penn. He's such a jackass. Here's what's interesting. <laughs> it's, it's I, true. I, I've taken. I made it a good or bad or ugly. 
probably not the best parenting decision, but I, from as soon as my kids were old enough to watch movies, I sort of went back and I, sh- I started to show them the eighties movies and nineties movies. And even yeah. later than that. Yeah. And I didn't st- obviously fast times was not an early movie that they saw in their, in their single digit years. Um, Spicoli. But my oldest, I showed when he was, uh, I don't know, 17 or so, I, I showed him, I, I watched Fast Times with him. And it is remarkably uh, disturbing, is that the right? It, let's put it this way underage sex, mm. abortion, mm-hmm. screwing mm-hmm. a teenage girl having sex with a grown ass man. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like the themes in that movie, not a parent in that household ever mm-hmm. uh, on their own. Sure. Guys masturbating in, in, in bathrooms. I mean, it was mm-hmm. really, really aggressive uh, to push that sort of envelope sure. in the 80s. Well, but, I mean, but, there was... But, a, but it was somewhat reflected. I mean... It was... Re- it was the reflected. arts reflect. I mean, yeah. I mean you know, that Whether was... it's an extreme, but it reflects of something going on at that time. I think the 80s movies are a great reflection of that decade. Porkies. Yeah. Uh, Porky's, Breakfast, yeah. Breakfast Come on, Club. man. There Breakfast were, there, Club is a great example of that decade. A shit ton yeah. of that schlock, and I never went and saw any of it. The only thing I liked from Fast Times was the um, the LP of the soundtrack. Soundtrack's great. Oh, which, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. I have. I have that. Yeah. Yeah. I have never seen the entire movie That's because as soon as Sean Penn comes on, I vomit. <laughs> I literally, I vomited then. And when, you know, I'm ba- essentially his age, I couldn't stand that shit when I saw it. Yeah. You know, like, like I just left the theater of like, I'm not going to watch this moronic crap. And it oh, was good for you. Yeah, yeah. Just junk. You know, I'd rather go ro- watch a, a Richard Pryor concert. That was actually entertaining and funny and elucidating and mind opening to hear, you know, his monologue back in the eighties. That was worth doing. And I'll I'll just get out of the Kentucky Fried movie and Airplane and all those dopey, dumb, you know, white trash movies from the eighties. I just I never liked any of them. And I was a movie reviewer and I condemned them all. <laughs> See, I was a I'm harsh. But I, I love everybody. I do love everybody. I enjoyed some of those movies. I enjoyed uh, that's fine. Airplane yeah. and uh, what's the, what's the other one with Leslie Nielsen? Those three movies, uh, right? Uh, well, yeah. Naked Gun. Yeah, Naked Gun, I yeah. found them sort of funny. I mean, look, uh, it's look, it's fine. It's, it's mindless. mindless. Oh, right. It's, well, there it's, you it's, go. It's brain candy. There, there yeah. you go. Uh, right. There's a lot of that. You got Julie Julie yeah. Haggerty blowing up a, a you know a, a, a doll, right? You know, oh, it looks like she's giving him a header. You know, like, uh, look, I, like I mean, is that funny? I mean, I guess it is if you're a moron, but it's, it's easy humor. Not being one, I Very didn't find it that funny. It was, it, let's just LCD say, LCD stuff. It's yeah. not George Carlin. No. No, um, no it's no. not. But uh, no. it it, uh, it is what it is. Right. Uh, yeah. right. Look how you turned out. I turned out all right. I watched those movies. <laughs> and look how I turned out. So maybe I should have gone. Hey, we it. all chew bubble gum every once in a while. It has well, nothing to do for us but just sugar straight. So movies are bubblegum. Yeah, what do you do? You know? What's on. your guilty pleasure? And right. some of those dumb movies. Now, I will say this, Norm. I agree with you in the sense that when I go back and watch them, yeah. I find them sort of stupid. Well, um, and then oh, how do you, and yeah. then how do you feel about yourself when you when you thought, oh, I'll watch this again because I, it was really good. And then you watch it and you go, good God. What was I thinking? Well, I grew up. Yeah. That's how I look at it. It's like it, yeah. it's, it's, it's juvenile humor, and I was a juvenile when they came out. So mm-hmm. you forgive yourself. Of course. Okay. I, I don't as much. Yeah. So I still, I hang on to my guilt. 
I have, no, I have lots of guilt, but I, it, it is not from watching those movies and laughing. Yeah, no, no, yeah. So for me, it would be now because at the same time, I mean, there, there's lots of other movies that I watched back in that era that I enjoyed, so or, or that were far more uh, deep and 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 more uh, meaningful. Yeah. But, so I, I look back on youth, and maybe this is a good time because I'm going to my class reunion this weekend. Um, so I I think about things that I thought was funny or cool back then and today I realize how you know awful it was like you know like laughing at the class nerd and realizing how deeply cruel that was and that nerd is probably it's probably a multimillionaire uh, yeah. too I'm with yeah, you on exactly. that I feel horrible about that I treated people yeah. horribly at times in high school oh, yeah. and and I do oh, yeah. not feel good about it yeah. and I, I, I don't want to call people sometimes and say man yeah. I was right. such a dick mm-hmm. correct So, yeah. So I remember things that I thought was, you know, things that I thought were funny and, you know, anyway, you know, an example, my, uh, my wife and I went to her class graduation, a reunion, I should say, maybe it's going to say 10 years ago. And there's young lady came up to her classmate and apologized for treating her so poorly in, in school. And Angie had no clue what she was talking about. Wow. And some, I think sometimes it's people think they are mean and maybe they're it's just not real. no she no she probably was maybe what you should say or maybe what the maybe what this person can realize and what i have realized that i think we all should realize we are just not that important so to think that to think that everybody's paying attention to you Mm -hmm. in the in at any given time is nothing short of narcissism you know Mm -hmm. it's like it it is like this notion that you're the most important person so you're going to make everybody pay attention to you and well but hey dude but yet, uh, people people do cause other people. Oh, for no, sure. For and that's sure. not to minimize that, that. that. You're right. That's the extension sure. of it. I what mean, you're the, getting on, at is the, the bullies, the the, mm-hmm. the cruel behavior, and I had plenty of it in my I time. I mean, the student, the student that jumped off the bridge, uh, the Yale student that jumped off the bridge because of online bullying. And I forget what he was. He was homosexual, or mm-hmm. or, it's or, horrible. or 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 whatever it is. And you know, and, and then people got on. Uh, Whatever it was back then, the, the equivalent of Facebook, whatever preceded Facebook, my MySpace, MySpace, whatever it was, yeah. and you know, you know, oh, you know, Herbie is a you know gayster, whatever it is, and uh, you know, then Herbie throws himself off a bridge. So you know, yeah, look, you know, look we all think we're a little bit more important than we are, mm-hmm. but yet we can do incredible damage to, yeah, no, to each other. I, what no, I said is uh, not intended to to discount that point at all. Yeah. And, and me either. It's just it's one of those sometimes. And I don't want I don't, of it. And yeah. I don't want a law uh, passed to uh, <laughs> reduce bullying. It's just something that our culture used to uh, call out as a, as a shameful thing, and we used to um, we used to handle that between parents and and their kids, and we don't anymore. So there's this impulse to make every bit of bad behavior illegal somehow. And whether that's, well, whether that's racism or homophobia or whatever it is, you do have the right to be a jackass in this country. You have the right to be a Nazi jackass or to be a communist jackass or any kind of jackass, but there doesn't need to be a law against it. There needs to be social, social condemnation. I'm going to take it a step further and, this is going to go to the heart of what you said. You still harbor guilt and everything. And I do too for some of my, my behavior. Well, I know what I did wrong and I hold myself accountable. Of course. Mm-hmm. So how do you have to accept that we are all imperfect? Yeah. Now look, 
those who don't believe in this fundamental doctrine, I understand you don't believe in it, but I think it's just human nature. It's true. You have to accept that we are all innately imperfect and we all have a path and we all walk this path. And if we don't make those mistakes, if I wouldn't have behaved horribly, I would not have learned that I can't behave horribly. Now, other people don't have to go through the same, or maybe they learned it in a different way, or maybe they had their, maybe they are just better in this way, but not as good in another way. But I have to look back at my mistakes now, my bad behavior now and say, and like you said, hold myself accountable and say, what was going on in my psychology at that time? And where am I now? And what have I learned from it? And what can be learned from it? And then you grow. It becomes who you are. So this is the age of wokeness where that stuff is unforgiven, where if you said something bad 20 years ago, you are heretofore persona non grata and you're going to be canceled. It is fundamentally inconsistent, I think, with human nature sure. to hold people to that kind of perfection. So I would say this. I apologize. I accept responsibility, and I've learned from it, and I will do better, and sure. I, will, I will strive to be. And then even today, I engage in behaviors and activities that I'm working on. And I think anybody who says otherwise, anybody who claims this perfection, this, this, this cloak of I understand and I'm woke and I'm whatever, I say screw you because you are not perfect, and it is fundamentally untrue that anybody can be perfect except for one. And, you know, mm -hmm. and that's, um, that's the problem with society right now is people don't forgive each other for behavior that they've taken responsibility for and learned. I mean, even like you go to the 12 step programs and go to these, these things, the idea is make amends for it. And if people say, screw you, you've at least made effort to forgive yourself and grow from it. And that's all yeah. you can do with your mistakes to say, I right. can't, look, I can't change the fact that I got drunk and said this stupid thing to somebody, right? but I can use that as a lesson and say, I'm never doing it again. And, right. or you could, or then the other, then the world could say, well, we don't care. You're canceled. Well, Steve, right. the problem with what you're saying is at one time our society had shared values. So when you talk about, um, you know, nobody is perfect, uh, we, we have different standards of what that would even mean today. Okay. So right. today, so, so today, if somebody, for example, believes that we ought to have, uh, an open discussion about election reform or an open discussion about um, taxation or an open discussion about uh, global warming, uh, you're considered a fascist if you're on one side or the or perhaps the other side can you know from what is considered perfect. So you know at one point at one point in our society, left and right both believed in open dialogue and freedom uh, of expression, freedom to say and think and do what you wanted as long as you didn't physically hurt somebody else. But we don't have that society anymore. So you're right about your, um, about your uh, discussion about uh, guilt and, and uh, that nobody is perfect, but we can't even decide what perfection is anymore. Well, I would say this with some degree of hope. If you go out into the real world, like you do when you're racing, or I go out and just interact with people sure. on any level. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think. I had an example of this recently, and I can't think what it was. But mm -hmm. I was just talking to people. And I, and I could tell by the end of the conversation that I was politically completely on polar opposite sides. But it never came up. And we just had an interesting conversation. Right. And it was fun. And we were. I, I, I'm trying to think of the scenario. But it, I'm glad they allowed you to express yourself. It never came up in the sense that it didn't, it wasn't important in context. And I, I am hoping that there is a loud, obnoxious minority of people that are 
pushing the agendas that you're talking about. So right. this cancel culture, I think if you asked around at individuals in neighborhoods at the picnic or at the Labor Day party or at the baseball right. game, right. how do you feel about free speech? Oh, everybody ought to have free speech. Now, I think there is... Except for these people, and then they give you a little list of the people they want muted. I don't think that most people will say that. I do think that the kids coming out of college will say that. Like a, a good chunk of kids coming out of college, because they're being taught that by the lunatics who are teaching them, that that there's this window, this Overton window, whatever they would call Overton window, whatever they would call it, that this is just, th- these are taboo topics, you can't even talk about them. And this is going to segue into something I did want to talk about. Well, today. well, on mm-hmm. Thursday, we had the president give a speech saying that those people who doubt the results of an election are per se fascist, completely ignoring the the re, the the Bush v. Gore or the Gore v. Bush actually because it was Gore that sued Bush, the Gore v. Bush uh, uh, litigation and the hanging Chad election. Uh, where the Democrats challenged the results of an election. And I don't recall calling Al Gore a fascist. I, I, I don't recall any Republican or any conservative saying Al Gore was a fascist because he said George Bush was not the legitimate winner of that presidential election. I, it's, it's coming from one direction. It, I don't recall any conservative ever saying that Greenpeace or that Ducks Unlimited or that uh, anybody who wants to talk about their theory of global warming ought to be muted and shouldn't be allowed to speak. I've never heard that before. It never happened. And that's the reason I never heard it, is because that side is open to debate. The other side is not open to debate. You're considered to be someone who needs to be deplatformed. You're banned from expressing that on Google. You're, uh, you know, if you're Prager University, you have your YouTubes taken down. If you're Steven Crowder, you can't speak. Um, all of this uh, is coming from one side. It's coming from the dictatorial fascist left. And I'm not happy to say that. It, those are just the facts. It's not the right uh, or, or even the middle of the road people that want to ban other people from expressing themselves. It's purely coming from the left. It is. And here's the, um, this is an interesting, there's an interesting segue because I, and I think I'm going to do a lawyer talk breakdown on this. So I'm not going to go into some detail, but I started to write an article during the shutdown. I wrote a series. I wrote two, one was on mob justice. The other was on uh, scientific evidence and how the government has, they were thinly veiled um, takedowns of the government response to wokeness and uh, the pandemic. And I was going to write a third, and I didn't get to it because uh, I just didn't get to it. And it was called Why You Don't Want Your Criminal Defense Attorney to Be Woke. And it, it, it dawned on me one night as I was, and what you just said made me think of it, it dawned on me one night as I was contemplating all this stuff going on. What if I went into a courtroom and I weren't allowed to use the a certain word, say the N-word, in the context of defending a young black man who was accused of a crime, and somehow I needed to use that word, say that it was a self-defense case or say that it was a provocation case, and somebody called him the N-word, um, would I be allowed to use the word then? And in what context could I use the word? So if there's a, I imagine this scenario where there's a rule of evidence or a rule governing the bar that I couldn't use certain language in a courtroom to defend people. 
And it is, it, it also dawned on me that when I represent people, when people come into my office and I talk to them, it doesn't make a hill of beans difference to me what color their skin is. It never has. But if I told a young man, young woman, a client in that scenario, it's like, sorry, it would be very helpful for your, your defense if I can make this certain argument. But, you know, the rules of evidence or the law or the general assembly or the rules governing the bar won't let me make this argument because it's not woke. And then you would say, well, we're not even close to that. That'll never happen. California's doing it. California has imposed some, some now they're starting to impose restrictions on the type of arguments lawyers can make in a courtroom. They're, they're changing the rules of evidence to fit the woke standards. And there was a case, what was the case down in Atlanta? Um, the, th- the, the, the three guys were accused of sort of the vigilante chase down of, oh, the, of the jogger. Yeah. Okay. And, and yeah, they were yeah. found guilty. They were found guilty. Yeah. The, there were two lawyers, a husband and wife team who engaged in, who, who defended one of the people or one of the, one of the individuals. And I think they had the least guilty client. And there, there was one of those guys that I felt like, all right, he, he sort of jumped on the, the people were chasing this guy and say, Hey, come with us. I think that, I, I think that was a, he got, in the motion, he got of wrapped it. into he got it, wrapped into it without yeah. the premise information that the other knew or didn't. Yeah. Anyway, they made an argument about the the what was uh, going on with the guy's toes, the dead guy's toes, and apparently this had some racial undertones because there's been like historically some racial comments that have to do with how a black man's toes will look or something like that. But the argument was designed to say, look, he's got dirt in his toes, uh, in his toenails. And that reflects that he was running barefoot and not jogging. I think it was an argument along those lines. And I'm not sure. I, I could be all wrong, but there, I, I will say it this way. They made an argument that viewed one way could have racially uh, racial undertones. Like, like it, it had maybe some symbolic racial historical comment. But it also, unbeknownst, or unbeknown, that was unbeknownst to them. They were making an argument that push their client's case in an exculpatory or beneficial way. They were saying, look, we're not saying this because they're, we're making a racial comment about some, a black man's toes. We're saying this because it has substantive or important components for the defense. The NACDL, National Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers, blew up. It absolutely blew up. And there were people saying, look, you shouldn't, doing what I do, this, this, I, and from what I understand, it sort of divided the defense bar in some way. Like these people were card carrying members of the NACDL, which is a very liberal organization, and uh, they were like, "No, we should be able to make this argument. It advances the, our client's interest in court. I don't care what their skin color. I don't care whatever. <laughs> we should be able to advocate uh, however we deem fit." And the other side was saying, "No, there should be restrictions on this. Even if it helps your client, you shouldn't be able to use." this type of language or use these words or make yeah. these arguments. And it scares the crap out of me well, Cal- knowing what I know. Well, California is mm-hmm. not a rational place. So uh, to, to buttress, you know, your point that that's coming out of California, just this week, uh, the governor, uh, Newsom, gets on, you know, the media and tells Californians to turn up their uh, thermostats to – 78 on their air conditioning or higher uh, to not use uh, high consumption appliances, whether that be welders or dryers or uh, washing machines or whatever it is, 
that they're going to plug in. Don't not, charge your cars. As, and Sorry, in, I didn't mean and, and in partic- Well, <laughs> uh, that is where I'm going. So particularly after 4.30, which happens to be about the time that a commuter starts to get home from work. And this in a state which has just passed legislation um, that will ban all cars, all sales of all cars, except for those that are considered, and of course this is big brother talk, to be, quote, zero emissions vehicles, unquote, which there is no such thing, uh, because electric cars get their power and make pollution in a variety of ways, including at the power plant, uh, that they draw their electricity from. It's not a magic plug, ladies, that you stick in the wall and uh, fairy dust, uh, you know, recharges your Tesla. Uh, there is a coal belching power plant or some other kind of device, uh, a windmill chewing up eagles and hawks and pretty little birds or uh, a hydroelectric dam that's killing your favorite spotted fish or or something. But, you know, there is some ugly way that that energy is being made, not to mention strip mining in Mongolia and uh, places like uh, the Congo with little children you know, 11, 12 years old, uh, digging up cobalt for your frickin' battery lady. So they are, at the same time in California, telling you to buy an electric vehicle, also have a state that is a net purchaser of energy from out of state, and they cannot, they can, it would be like California telling people you can only heat your home with firewood, and yet there's no forest. It feels yeah. like my hunting arguments. Like people's like, I don't know how you. It's go absurd. Kill, uh, how We're do you an absurd kill world. Deer? Yeah. I don't know how you would do that. How do you shoot those animals? How do you shoot those birds? Right. Yet they'll go to the grocery store and buy it all packed up neatly. Uh, right. Now look, if if you have the true vegans and vegetarians who don't eat the meat, I I don't fair, care. Fair I enough. Do, I yeah. don't care what they do. They should not care what I do. Fair enough. But at least they have a point. They're they're not hypocritical about it. At least I don't even care about their hypocrisy. Just leave well, me alone. I care about the hypocrisy <laughs> when somebody says, when how they can you possibly ma- go shoot these beautiful animals? Well, when they mandate, Steve, that's it, when I care. Well, and then they go to the grocery they store say whatever they want. and buy a bunch of burgers. Sure. It's like, listen, it, you know, at right. least I know right. where it came from. Now, right. California's doing They want to shut. There's an argue, a big debate in California now about shutting down the nuclear plants. And, you know, they, they don't want to use any fossil fuels Anything other than I don't know what their energy will be, and then they don't have enough energy to do what they want to do. Steve, just look at the left. Look at the left's history on something as mundane as light bulbs or shopping bags. Okay, we were all told save a tree, so they came out with plastic bags. Right. Right. So, so you were an anti-environmentalist unless you were seen leaving Kroger's with your crap in a plastic bag. Okay, then they completely reverse that, <laughs> exactly. right? To right. where, to where now you're an eco criminal if you're not using a paper bag or right. walk in there as if as if I ride around on my motorcycle, drive my uh, little pickup truck with a grandma bag stuffed in the back like I'm going to Aldi's or something. I mean, it's absurd. You, you can't figure out what the right thing is to do. And ultimately, the right thing to do is they they just wish we would all die and curl up and go away because they really don't want people. When you eliminate the fundamental human value as a foundation for our decision-making process, well, then, you know, you have no standards by which you can conform yourself. And to, to make your point, 
I was in New York fishing a couple weeks ago. I'm sorry. And uh, I had a blast. Upstate New York's a whole different city or a whole different beast. Yeah. You know, I was yes, up in, it is. way up on Lake Ontario right. uh, east. But how about those of how about those gas prices? Because uh, I just went through New York. Yeah, it was high. Yeah, um, four four nineteen a gallon but for gas. I, I am I met my buddy up there, my college roommate who lives up uh near out in the country, but I'm not gonna say where he lives, but uh, it, it, like a, New York. Albany, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But he uh I was, we were setting up our campsite, and uh, I was unpacking a bunch of food and, and everything else and getting it ready and getting it in the right coolers or doing whatever. And he's like, oh, can I borrow one of your grocery bags? And he meant the little plastic ones. And I had dozens of them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, sure. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah, that's awesome. We don't have those here. <laughs> Oh, wow. They don't Completely have plastic grocery well, how about, bags. How about the liberal, how about the liberal oh. war on the electric light bulb? I mean, they, they got rid of incandescent light bulbs that cost us all 15 cents each down at Home Depot, right? Yeah. And they replaced them with, you know, $8 bulbs that were fluorescent that had mercury in them. And and that was supposed to be environmental. So then it finally dawned on the dummies that if you dropped one of those fluorescent bulbs on your uh, ceramic uh, kitchen, you know, tile floor... Okay, and the little and the mercury stuff, the little powder sure. goes flying. You're supposed to call a hazmat team, right? You're you or your wife or your kids can't go get a little whisk broom and sweep up the broken glass along with the chemicals in it. it it's a hazmat event, okay? Whereas the 15 cent light bulb, you know that no big deal. You just clean it up. But but the eight dollar fluorescent that obsoleted the old incandescent. Right, that's and now, a horrible light bulb. I mean, oh, I hate that light. Well, that coming in, terrible one, com, yeah. coming in from yeah. China. Well, now now we're on to LEDs that come from China. But I mean, the entire progression just shows you how factually stupid they are, and they, they never are factually want to hear it. They are factually dumb. dumb people. They are not the people when they say, "Listen to the science." Or Fauci says, "Listen to the sign." They are the people. They are the anti-science party. It is. As- they are the people who have no rationality, do not listen to science, who use science as a brickbat, okay, to to uh, encourage dumb other dumb people to to warb- warble about science in a way to uh, bully you. But actually, they are the people who have no clue about science. Well, and, at all. And this is like Thomas Sowell. This is another one of the things in I fact, love about Thomas Sowell. In fact, Sowell. just one last thing. They're the people who say two plus two, teaching arithmetic, is racist. It's sure. white supremacy to teach a young black child who has to compete in this world and who has an equal opportunity and, and a need to support him or herself. They're teaching that inner city black child that two plus two is a racist construct sure. to hold them back. That totally. is, re- so how's that person going to be a, a cashier or an accountant or the next Senator to the United States? How's that, how's that young black man going to be the next Tim Scott or Barack Obama or whatever black leader if they don't know how to add? Well, Norm, the, for you, God's you've raised sakes. two good points. The first one is I'll, I'll start with the last, I'll start with the second this notion of relativism. So the same people that would say we don't shouldn't teach that kind of math would say 
there's a relativism to the world. Two plus two can be five. And this came out, this is like last year. There was like this big article and this big debate and these, these in, quote, intellectuals were, were advocating like, look, that's, it's a totally self-imposed societal construct that two plus two is four. <laughs> and this goes back to a sort of a postmodernist uh, idealism that of moral relativism. Everything is relative to itself. There is no fundamental uh, morality. There is no fundamental truth. It's all what we construct. And this is like Foucault and Camus and these idiots from France um, who later, um, I think two of those, I think both those guys eventually became Christians at their deathbed. But anyway, it's uh, it's after their atheism table banging for years. Yeah. But um, the Saturday it, night, night Live, how convenient. How convenient. Yeah, really. <laughs> how convenient. And there's another point I was going to make, but I forgot it already. It was a good one, though, damn it. Yeah. I was going to start with It'll the come back yeah. to you, man. So I wanted to go back and ask you, so talking about the California, the state overreach, basically, in kind of talent. It's so, irrational. Irrational. So one thing I want to talk about was was Texas and their their you know regulation back in from April I guess it's now maybe last year talking about investments. And I'm not familiar, man. So so break it the, down. Brett. So yesterday, what was it? This past week, let me let's see if I can find my email to myself because you know I, I've been taking notes and saying you know I got to be better because Norm has raised my game. Uh oh. <laughs> in regards to what's going on, so in the news, so Texas is now. Texas bans local state government entities from doing business with firms that boycott fossil fuels. Firms that boycott fossil fuels. So Goldman okay. Sachs, All right. if they have in their writing, in their portfolio, in their portfolio, anything that's anti, like a mutual fund, and it includes right, okay, that says eh, we're going to stay away or f- away from right. oil and gas okay. and go more wind power or solar power. You don't do any business with us now. Gotcha. Right. For state entities. Right. Right. I and have, that, uh, and, and, and that all to me, and, and well, for when the more and more I was digging into it, the way it looks is that number one, the law is written horribly. It's yeah. one of those. It, by, it comes to my mind. It's Steve, an agenda Steve, law. It's it, a, yeah. It's Steve, it's Steve's comment about well, we got to do something. Well, you, <laughs> well, you <laughs> know, there's so many holes in this. In well, this you know, opportunity you demand. know where that started, right? That 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 idea about um, making certain investments. Um, illegal or uh, um, barring certain investments started with the um, the protest or the embargo mm-hmm. against South Africa over apartheid. Okay, that's when that started. All right, that became a way. And I remember the universities were amongst the first to do this, and um, it was largely considered, I think, even by. Um, you know, people like Milton Friedman and and and, and uh, you know, open market people that when a regime, you know, is is truly evil in mm-hmm. some particular way, whether it's Adolf Hitler or whether it's uh, Pick Bota uh, in South Africa, uh, if 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 a regime is considered so inhumane and in doing uh, human, you know, uh, crimes against humanity that. Uh, you can pass legislation or in, in put in policies um, like we did with Cuba that investments in South Africa or Cuba or Iran with their nuclear program, those kinds of things become conventions in order to change their behavior, in order to starve the regime and change, you know, mm-hmm. 
change things for the better, you hope, for the people right. in that country, yeah. primarily. Yeah. Well, I, and, yeah. it, and, and in South Africa's yeah. case, it worked. Yeah, right. I mean, It the, did work. Yeah, the fallout is, from some of this, is that now these larger, they, 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 they targeted 20, yeah. 20 investment firms. Right. Goldman Sachs comes to mind. Sure. That, Blackstone's so, got to be one of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, BlackRock. Yeah, Black yeah, Rock. yeah, BlackRock was another one. Then. <laughs> Not yep. a stone, yeah, but, but a rock. Yeah, yeah, you're right there. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that it's, it, it's now forcing somewhat... Hey, the investment firms are saying we we are advising not to invest in gas and oil because the dollars are down. It's right. not a good investment portfolio. Now's the time to buy. I disagree. But anyway, but, right? That's what they're saying. Here's, exactly. here's what you're but getting. It just, at. it just seems like it's backfiring. But you do. But you it's do a state uh, overreach. Like, just, what are you doing? Well, right? I I want to jump in just for a second. You do understand that some of those same firms, BlackRock's a good example, are pushing their own means oh i'm sure well so the entire no they all are well no they no all, no, no blackrock no. in particular yeah. uh tells uh corporations that they shall adopt esg policies sure. or yeah. blackrock won't trade their stocks so black blackrock is using um is is compelling you know through a lot of corporate arm twisting their own sort of social agenda. And I think this is Texas's way of fighting back. And uh, I think about 20 other states are looking into doing well, the same thing. Well, yeah. And I, I Which, well, I, I, and it's, it's totally right, so their call. Let me, let me unravel yeah, this yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Steve. You've got a scenario now with a lot of the fund managers and a lot of financial companies who are not, who are, who are sacrificing profit for an equity agenda for a woke agenda. And this has become very, very uh, controversial. So if you if you invest your hard-earned dollars in a mutual fund, you would want the best, the return. best return. The best return. But there, there are people above you managing those dollars and saying, no, we're not going to invest in these companies because they don't agree with our ideals of what equitable is. So your dollars aren't going to make as much money because they are making decisions. Now, that mm-hmm. that you could look at that like that's a completely individual type relationship, but it's not. The government regulates those kind of funds very heavily and they regulate in ways like uh you you might think conditionally. So, you're going to get this or you're not going to get this benefit uh certain and then you go down to the individual companies who are getting government dollars for having a woke agenda or or a preferred government agenda. And uh so now fund managers are sacrificing your profit for their agenda in order to get more money from the government. It's all corrupt. I, I'm not putting altruistic mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. motives on behalf of the fund managers. So this is Texas's response. Now, mm-hmm. you could ask, we should ask, does the state, does a state government have the power to do it? And if so, how far can they go? And is that different than the federal government having a power to do it? And it is. So, so we'll start with the federal government. The federal, uh, The idea of federalism in individual states' rights would say the federal government has no business regulating what Texas does right, or what businesses are doing in right. Texas. Right. And to the extent that happens, it should be the exception, not the rule, and it's becoming the opposite. So then we go down to the states. The states have what's called inherent police power, and don't think like cops on the street with badges. Police sure. power is like- Policing, yeah. Yeah, the right. police power is like to govern and regulate their mm-hmm. own state individually. Steve, Steve, just 30 seconds. Yep. So to support what you're just saying, the example with apartheid- the Ohio Board of Regents, which controls the universities, adopted a policy, no investments in companies in South Africa during apartheid. Yep. Okay. And that was a state mm-hmm. police action by a state board 
that controls the universities. Yes. Go ahead. Right. So, and that's uh, so a state government, in theory, under its police power, could say, we're going to pass this law. Now, it doesn't mean I, I agree with that law and mm-hmm. I, I agree with the philosophy, but I always start with the Constitution. Now, imagine that. That's such this, this novel idea. I start with the United States Constitution. Do we still have one? Uh, well, That's it's, it's eroding away at an alarming rate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, under the Constitution, I can't find, unless there is something inherently discriminatory based on a su- suspect class or something improper, I think the state has the power or the local government has the power to do that. Now, do I agree with it? I don't. But here's what happens. It becomes a seesaw. So the fund's going to do this. So the government's going to do this. And then the government in another state's going to do this. It's, it becomes this seesaw. So if they're right. going to do it, well, hell, we're all in. Now, here's the, here's the good news. If it happens at the local government, then the local population, in theory, but more of a theory than at the federal level, if where the feds were doing it, can change it. So it, it's easier to vote locally when you understand what's going on around you is this helping our our mm-hmm. community or is it not sure. and if it's not you've got that power of vote if the if washington dc is doing it based on a couple individuals agenda you feel completely helpless sure. about it in texas right. or in ohio and the classic mm-hmm. example is the new england town meeting which we were all taught in civics sure. class Robert's about rules yeah that that you know joe farmer can go to his little vermont town and you know he can he can park his pitchfork out in the parking lot, but come in peacefully, and he can say his piece. And they go around the room, and everybody in New Hampshire, Vermont, with these little New England towns that with the classic town meeting, awesome, like a Norman Rockwell painting. Yep. they have that democratic thing imbued in them that every citizen has value, every citizen gets their say-so. Ransom Staddard, attorney at law, anybody who's seen uh, Man Who Shot Liberty Valance mm-hmm. remembers that scene. But it's interesting you brought up Norman Rockwell because it's, I, I have the, Norman Rockwell had four, had this set of four, it was called the Four Freedoms. I think it was freedom of expression, freedom of religion, freedom, the right to peace and the right to, uh, I can't remember what the other one was. All that corny stuff. And he was a total communist. <laughs> What's fascinating to me, he was, he was a socialist, he was a communist. And I look at those things like, what was he saying when he created those pictures? Because now we look at, I look at those like, this is what we need. And at the time, he thought his agenda supported those things. And now I think it's it's gone. Like, I think if he had <laughs> known where the, the logical extension of his philosophical ideals was to get rid of that stuff, because the people up top know better for the community. And you don't have a say because we know best. And, and that's right. how it's going to be. Your individual rights don't matter because- right. The collective matters. And my favorite quote, you know, moral unburdening is found in the collective identity. Right. And and that's where it resulted. Mm. But, uh, you know, back to the, I remember what I was going to say, and it's relevant for what, Brett, you were saying, is, and it was a Thomas Sowell uh, concept, is that these policies, these, these laws, these um, regulations, they're not measured by the success. They are measured by what the goal was. And hardly ever are they successful. Yeah. So you could say, yeah, it's a noble goal, Norm, to get rid of incandescent bulbs. Yeah. Because you know what? It's good. Yeah. But it's a complete abject failure because the science was wrong, because the implementation was wrong, or whatever it is is totally wrong. But you're not measured by that. Yeah. It was just the guy on the it, pulpit at the it time. Can, it can it can work to isolate uh it, it can work to isolate a bad actor on the world stage. The world did, in fact, bankrupt South Africa with its embargo 
and, yep. and and it did cause the minority white population, uh, largely of Dutch origin, to finally acknowledge uh, that it was an unworkable, uh, inhumane, and uh, morally uh, morally bankrupt a policy to separate the two races. Uh, in such an, you know, in such a involuntary way, you know. And, and I think, though, yeah. the, the, the power lever was legitimate. It was the legitimate. The federal government has the right, right. To, to regulate such things. Now, we could disagree, Well, but Lenny, that, I is, think that is an allocated power to the feds. I think yeah. that lesson and what was done to South Africa was clearly a reaction to the Hitlerian policies that the world did not similarly reject uh, during the 30s and 40s in Germany. So I think in the 70s, you have to remember, that was just 30 short years later that apartheid was starting to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, worldwide rejection of apartheid was starting to become a more and more of a topic and an issue. And I think people saw that change happen People saw Mandela freed, and then he became president, and and people saw that whole transformation, uh, which has not completely worked out well. Uh, but I think we all thought there would be excesses, uh, you know, and and the ex the excesses and the horrible things have happened in spite of Desmond Tutu and his and his commissions to uh, you know ex expurgate the sins. Uh, there there are still recriminations, so nothing's perfect. But I think the world looked at South Africa as a success for those kinds of um, legislation, mm-hmm. Brett. Mm-hmm. And and so people then thought, well, why don't we do that for every other perceived ill uh, in society? And, of course, we can't agree on what those ills are. We can't agree, for example, that global warming uh, is man-made uh, we can't agree, for example, that uh, diversity, for diversity's sake alone, is a good thing. You see minority populations reforming into their own, you know, distinct communities of their own volition. Uh, that that they have decided to have black communities or Puerto Rican communities or Jewish communities or any other kind of community. People sort of seek out somebody that looks like them and has their own. Uh, you see this with the Somalis in Columbus. I mean, you see it. it, it it's almost a human thing that people want to be around other people that look, act, and think like they do. And um, you and know, it doesn't that doesn't necessarily go against the melting pot concept either. Not at all. Not I, at I all. don't think it does. Not at all. It's not necessarily racist in any no. way. It's a little sad to me that people can't be more egalitarian true uh, it, it disappoints me to some extent uh, but uh, I I see the minorities who felt oppressed you know resegregating having their own dormitories at universities that are one color which is shocking to me as a student that went to the universities in in the 70s and 80s and we were all about you know, you could date anybody, you could live next to anybody, you could party with anybody, you could, you know, and, and it seems like now uh, well, they don't the, want that. But if, it's, if the collective is 
by their own choice the, and that's not the question. driven. That's the, the real question. issue is this. How do people sort themselves okay. right. Right. when left to their own devices? And right. you know, if you just look historically in this country, right. um, the Italians, we still have Italian village. Oh, we have yeah, Irish... Sure. Uh, we have Old a German village here in Columbus. They sort together. Whole Chinese neighborhoods in oh, San Francisco sure. and Chinatown. New York. I mean, Korean sure. village. Yeah, so, but it doesn't mean that they didn't become Americans. And the distinction that we're getting at here is the Italians still wanted to become Americans. They were just Italian-Americans. Like they, they were Americans first. You know, they, they really felt that they had that notion that they wanted to learn a language and they had to assimilate with the culture. Now, having people sort individually amongst themselves is one thing, but then letting them live as if they are not uh, part of our 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 country's aim and goal is another. So you know, right. I I don't think that we should let people into this country who don't share what I would consider an America uh, agenda, mm-hmm. because we're Americans. It's our country, and sure. if you if you start to do that, I'm sure I'll get skewered for this by the millions of listeners. But if you start to do that, it erodes the value of your country. So come and be a United States citizen. I'll put my arm around you and hug you and love you. Um, but come and be a United States citizen and then promote a different type of cultural agenda. Well, now we got a problem. And I think we as a country have a right not to let people in who will destroy uh, the Constitution or who have an aim to get rid of that, who have an aim to impose, say, a different type of legal structure in our country. Because that's not why we're a country. We're a country. Our, our country exists the same as wherever they're coming from exists. And you want to become an American, bring your cultural values because that's that's that makes our country better. Well, well it's, it's almost similar like going, it's like going to a swimming pool. There are ten rules if you're going to enter the swimming pool. <laughs> right. You can go in, but and you can do whatever the hell you want you beyond can, that. But, but you can't run. You can't do this, 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 yeah, and this. But right. you can you can go and you can be in that corner over there and congregate. You can do you can do belly flops if you want, but you can't do these ten things. Right. Or you but or you're allowed to do these things. Now, it, Norm, it's the same concept. How about Caddyshack? <laughs> no bare feet. Oh, no fighting. Well, I was actually going <laughs> to bring that up, sign say. <laughs> I was going to bring up the 54 case of Brown v. Board. So that was four years before I was born, and uh, basically stood for uh, separate is not equal. And then I moved to Columbus as an adult, and they and and Cincinnati's no different. Uh, the, the, most of these big s- school districts have an Afrocentric school. And I look at that and I say to myself, wow, I wonder if Thurgood Marshall and the lawyers who argued, argued Brown v. Board, I wonder if they ever contemplated that someday as a result of Brown v. Board that inner city school districts would decide to have a segregated black school, all black school, or at least a black um, syllabus um, I guess white students can attend an Afrocentric school just fine, and that's great, and I'm glad. But there isn't an Irish-centric school or a Scottish-centric school or a Somali-centric school or any other kind of centric school. I don't and, believe and, in any of them. And I just think it's absurd. Not like, if the government's funding it. But it just shows you 50 years after this big decision that being separate is not equal— our society has chosen, you know, the 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 enlightened people, the cognoscenti, the 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 smart liberal people have decided to take the very thing that civil rights pioneers objected to and fought so hard to defeat, and they are reinstituting it 
inside out and upside down. It just it's lunacy. It's lunacy, and it's it blows it blows my mind that they would even do it. It is insane to me to create a segregated school on, on under the guise of equity. I don't, yeah, it's utter insanity. I'm to me. dumbfounded by it's the a, entire. Well, I almost don't know what to think about. Yeah, it. and yeah. ultimately, you know, going back to our the Italian village ideas and 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 the the different villages, let's put it that way. To me, it, it, it they let them do what they want to do if they they feel more comfortable in that collective. Yes, but it's one of those. It's scary down the road. It's like, okay, will those collectives not have representation? Yeah. And then well, their streets aren't going to be taken care of. Why wouldn't they have representation, though? That by the higher powers that may not allow them to. That, that's what scares me. That this it can is turn the into that. It this can turn is into the that. problem with giving higher powers power. Right. Right. Instead of to, it, like the that, local community should have the power. That, that 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 someone from the Italian village cannot have representation on the city council. Well, well why somehow, not? Well, if they somehow have, they can't. Well, if if it, it, because it, hold of on. higher powers, are well, not allowed. No, I'm just saying that's what scares well, me. Well, it's because how our local in Columbus, so Columbus doesn't have boroughs. If Columbus adopted the New York City or I think even San Francisco borough system, so that each neighborhood had a council right. member who represent. Yeah, so I'm not, that I'm has, not saying force it. I'm just saying I could see it well, going bad. <laughs> You know, well, I'm trying I, to envision yeah. this. So, if we have a, if you have a community, an Italian Middle community, is a good example. Though. You yeah, have an Italian right. community, yeah. and uh, what I guess what you're saying is there's not enough Italians to vote one of their own onto the board. Yeah, or so they're perpetually, law, and, and, so they would be perpetually under unrepre- unrepresented un, on council and never get yes. their streets. Which fixed. is why Sewer New York sucks, you know, has a borough yeah. system. That right. that's the entire purpose. Even though at the end of the day, there might be like a, a very conservative enclave in New York somewhere, right? I think I heard there's 2 million registered Republicans in the city of New York. And there's probably a lot more vote Republican that don't tell anybody. Well, my, my, the point is not that the Republicans would ever win, you know, well, Bloomberg was the last, but it, it's not necessarily that they would ha- aspire to win the mayor, mayorhood or control uh, city council in New York. It's just that they... They would like to have their village or their borough have a voice, right? You know, of uh, you know, be able to express themselves, be able to say what they need to say to defend their well, uh, you know, identity. And and so, to Brett's point, I do understand that, and I think one way to do that, and many cities have done this, is you carve the city up into districts or boroughs, whatever you want to call it. And then you have a council person, uh, just like you would for Congress, uh, representing a certain part of a state, represent a certain part of a city. I love it. I got no problem yeah. with that. It's and at the it, local level. They right. can do it. It, yeah. it should be. Yeah. Exactly. Now, no, if you're talking about a, a state level law that says you're not allowed to ha- hold this position no, because no, of your, no. your, your race or your identity, that's a constitutional problem on right. a bigger, at, at yes. a bigger scale. Yeah. Of course. But if, if it's just that you're not, there's not enough of you whoever you are right. Yeah, right. To, to get representation. And, you know, you could say, what's it matter? You know, do you like, what do you, what, what are you trying to accomplish by being represented and what is happening in the local community that is adversely impacting your area? City right. streets aren't being upkept. Sewage sucks. Could well, be simple as that. Those are that's bigger, exactly right. You know, those th- are, that's but, what I mean. Yeah, those are, yeah. I would have to, I have to give us a lot of thought. It's interesting. Yeah. It's a great, it's a yeah. fascinating thought process. Because well, at for example, well, the city does yeah. spend infrastructure dollars politically. Yeah. And so all, all the time. time. So exactly. Right. It's all so the, we're going to fix, right. we're going to fix up the Scioto banks 
and make it look real shishy. And who benefits because from that? there's and somebody on council or whatever that lives there. Well, there's yeah. development there, yeah. but we're going to let the hilltop go to hell. Yeah, right. that's right. Yeah. Okay, so there's yeah. that. There's that. It and already, that's going to happen no matter what. It is. Well, right. well, unless hilltop has its own council person Perhaps. who can raise hell yeah. at a council meeting and Perhaps. get a little media profile. And, you know, see, that is the reason. But you could still have the town hall. The, like the like the, the Hilltop could organize. And, have and, you been to Columbus City Council and tried to participate? So no. I went down there when they had the first assault rifle ban, right? They let two people talk. And then they cut off. They do. So I was a business owner in Columbus, okay? I was a citizen of Columbus downtown, okay? Right, you know, in this area. Not too far from here, within a mile of right here. Okay, had a business here, had property here, worked here, paid taxes here, got my utilities here. I went down there to explain, not to yell, but just to explain that I happened to have a particular rifle of a medium cal- caliber bullet, a lot less lethal than Grandpappy's old World War II Garand, right? Mm-hmm. And Yet John Kennedy and the council members that rammed that first bill through that was later found unconstitutional, they would not let the public comment. So it it doesn't work. They do cut off people. They do have people they don't want to hear from. And, And so what did I do? I moved my business, my residence, and my tax dollars out of Columbus, Ohio. And I think a lot of other people are doing the same thing for a lot of other reasons as they get more and more dictatorial about what your lifestyle is and conclude that you're a, a this or a that and whatever appellation they want to stick on you about being, I mean, look at me, I'm as dark as a, a middle Eastern and they want to call me a white supremacist, which is laughable. It's, well, a, it's laughable. Let's, 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 uh, let's shift gears here. We got to do, we got to hit some nuggets cause there is some news yeah. we want to talk about. Yeah. I, I had Gorbachev on the brain. Um, wow, Mikhail wow. Gorbachev, and he has a pretty good scar right yeah. above his brain. So go well, ahead. Well, he died, and uh, that's uh, it. Was interesting to me. I, I listened to news commentary on on his death and on his mm-hmm. life, and on what mm-hmm. he did and what he didn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I then I, I heard somebody go back and actually play some news commentary at the time when Reagan and Gorbachev were at the summits in Reykjavik. And all of it. And, you know, I, I guess, uh, and then I talked to none other than my, my dear old dad, who was actually part of a lot of that back in those era. He was over there and he, 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 he was teaching in, in, some, in Poland and different. Anyway, he, know, he, he knows a lot about it. Mm-hmm. And I asked him about him, about Gorbachev, because the news would portray him as a hero. Uh, you know the guy who, without him, the Cold War would would have never been uh, resolved. You mean the Western media? Yes. Yes. The, the Russian media does not consider him totally in different. That's right. Uh, so the Western media put him up on a pedestal, and at the same time, impugn Reagan. And I, I heard some news commentary replayed of like the '80s when Reagan was meeting with Gorbachev. And, sure. You know, one of the things I heard was that. Uh, uh, Reagan's big agenda back then was SDI, the Strategic Defense Initiative, where he was going to have this, they called right. it Star Wars. Star he was, Wars. He yeah. was widely panned for that. All oh, Star Wars, he's such a right. blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, he's just this moron. He wants And then we things. found out later, Reagan knew and the Pentagon knew it was a bluff. Well, it and, was a complete and total bluff and it worked. And, and Reagan even said, I will share it with the Soviets. Right. Cause it was a bluff. Now he goes to Reykjavik <laughs> and, uh, 
Gorbachev wants him to say, look, you have to put off your SDI initiative for 10 years, and then we'll agree to pull down right. our nukes in, in Europe or somewhere. Whatever. And uh, Reagan said no. Yeah. Not going to do it. Gave him the finger. And and the media panned him so badly. Right. Reagan blows up, break even. Reagan sure. does this. Reagan won't concede. Because blah, of Reagan, blah, the blah. Cold War is going to go on and on and on right. forever. Blah, right. blah, 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 blah. Right. Uh, Gorbachev in good faith, but Reagan not. Yeah, Berlin it, Wall fell four years later, and and so basically, it, <laughs> Gorbachev by our Western media is given credit for basically dismantling right. the Cold War and dismantling the Soviet Union. Right. So yeah. I dug into this a little bit. Not that I'm a pro, but I I think some of it is true, but it's only about half true. Oh, it's half. Gorbachev true. was a card carrying communist socialist. He loved his. He wanted that traditional communist um, yeah, right. country. He also knew that he was in an impossible scenario. He could not win the Cold War. He knew it. He knew it because the, the, the country was crumbling. And I, I always tell the story. I was in Tallinn back in the late 80s, early 90s, I think early 90s. My dad was over there for a couple of years teaching. And I had, I had beers with a, a former Soviet soldier. Um, and he was about my age. And I remember drinking with him at this Russian bar because in Tallinn, there was a Russian part of town, ironically. Did you say Tallinn? Tallinn, Estonia. Okay. Mm. Or Tallinn, or I think it's, we always call it Tallinn. But anyway. That's fine. Uh, through that conversation, I learned two things. One, that the the Russians were very similar to us in sort of like, they were strong. They were, they were not weak people. Very no. strong people. And they would have been, I remember thinking, this guy would have been like in hand-to-hand combat, worthy adversary. He was a very kind guy. And very. we talked about working out. We talked about different things. But Yeah. You've heard about Kursk. Yeah, they're pretty tough people. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And and he also <laughs> he also sort of implied and in, in, in that trip I learned that it was a complete at that time before the fall of the wall, it was a complete sham. It was it, like they were they were using chewing gum and bailing wire and and rubber bands to hold together the army and long enough to do a parade and down the Moscow Square. You know, it like they, their army was like the the military was falling apart. They, their machinery wasn't good. It was all fake. Well, they had just lost Afghanistan. And, and Gorbachev knew it. And when so what happened is Gorbachev deserves credit for understanding that he couldn't win the Cold War. But it, the Cold War didn't end because of him. If he could have won it, he would have. Gorbachev was the bankruptcy trustee for yes. the Soviet Union. Yes. Mm-hmm. They were bankrupt. And Reagan, and Reagan poured on the coals and said, hey, bankrupt fellow superpower with all your nukes. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to render your entire atomic missile and and, and, and and naval fleets completely obsolete because we have this mysterious, incredible technology. You might have seen the movie starring Mark Hamill. We're up to that level with our technology, and we're going to have this global satellite system that the minute you, Gorby, respond to something we do, and we and you push that button, we're going to go boom, and your nuke blows over, blows up over mints. Ineffective, right? Ineffective, and we're going to share it with you. It, but well, we're 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 doing it, and we have a black part of our budget, so you can't even see that we're doing yeah. it. But yeah. we're doing this Star Wars technology, and your all your shit's not going to work. And Gorby then essentially capitulated. Well, so what it is is that Gorbachev, and he was widely 
unpopular amongst like the the true or the real right. Soviet power structure because right. But he was willing to admit they couldn't win the Cold War, and he wanted right. to save his country. And Reagan made that up. And and sure, or at least he it was a, it was a bluff of the highest order. We'll it was a complete and total yeah. bluff. So what you're talking about, Rush Limbaugh, the late Rush Limbaugh, used to call that uh, Western fascination with Gorbachev, Gorbasms. He would say that the New York Times and and people like uh, J- you know John Meacher or whatever the hell his name is from Newsweek that those kinds of people lot you know they heaped on the praise uh, to Gorbachev that he was really the smart guy that ended the Cold War, uh, which of course the Cold War never ended. Uh, that that uh, Rush called those Gorbasms. Yeah, it's all because look, which I love that name. But it's not to say Gorbachev was a bad guy that deserved no credit. No, not at all. It's, but they at the same time they're praising him. Not at they're all. panning Reagan, right? And 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 the power structure that made a decision because it was widely said you can't win the Cold War. Right. It can't be won. And right. you know Reagan's one of my favorite Reagan quotes is when he's asked like, "What's your strategy on the Cold War?" He goes, "It's simple. We win, they lose." Right. Yeah, it's like he said, we're going to win this damn thing. Here was Gor- I don't care what it takes. Gorbachev's gift was a word that he called glasnost. Glasnost, yep. And what that was all about, glasnost, roughly, I'm no Russian scholar, but roughly, I believe, translates into reality. And what, what Gorbachev understood was reality. I mean, he, at the end of the day, he looked at the assets he possessed, meaning the Soviet Union's assets, he looked at their very stretched out and, and completely flogged military trying to hold this line against the West while recovering from their version of Vietnam yep. in Afghanistan and basically concluded, I've lost, we, the Soviet Union, have lost a generation of young men and, you know, faceless young men who still today aren't really acknowledged as being missing. Oh, they lost a whole generation uh, just like England did during World War One, the Soviet Union lost a generation of young men in Afghanistan. It ate them up. It was it was a hamburger machine down there. And the United States, of course, funded the Mujahideen, mm-hmm. which were fighting. So we f- we funded an insurgency, which some argue later gave rise to the the Taliban and and uh, Osama's uh, fellow, uh, uh, you know, his his buddies. Uh, and uh, and so at any rate, uh, Gorbachev looked at this glasnost and decided, uh, you know, the best way to resolve this is to let these Eastern European satellite countries go off on their own, break down, uh, you know, the the, uh, the break down the system of control of all of these satellite countries, and we need to take care of ourselves. Uh, if you will, it was a MAGA program back to Russia rather than maintaining the Soviet Union. Right. He realized yeah. that the empire could not be maintained as it is, so he carved it up and and, and sort of and, and brought back the borders to a, 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 his perception was we can control this and we can maintain this. We just can't go any further. We can't take over the whole world like yeah. we wanted to. Yeah. And his party elites at the time fundamentally disagreed. So Gorbachev deserves a lot of credit for standing up to them and yeah. saying, look— if we don't do this, we lose everything, or yeah. we we do enter World War Three as a hot war. Well, you do remember they arrested the military. Yeah, they took him, and the and the KGB arrested him. He went into exile, somewhere. and it was well, it was it was enforced exile. They they kidnapped him. It was Boris Yeltsin, yeah. who stood up 
in front of the Soviet tanks, just like Tank Man in Tiananmen Square did not was not successful. Boris Yeltsin got out there and stuck flowers in the barrels of those uh, of those tanks at, on Red Square and stood up. You know, good old alcoholic drunk Boris Yeltsin stood up and said, "Yeah, you know, I'm a political rival of uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, but you better free him." Or this country, it was a bloodless revolution. If you don't free Mikhail Gorbachev, you can have all the tanks you want, all your AK-47s. The people of Russia are going to have a shit fit. And and it is going to be blood in the streets. And he called their bluff, and the KGB uh, reinstituted uh, Mikhail Gorbachev. And that was, that was a moment of incredible courage by Boris Yeltsin. Because yeah. he was looking at having the same thing done to him. Yeah. Now, and, and it's it's fascinating history. It's history that deserves a lot of attention. Gorbachev deserves a lot of credit for the decision making he made. But he still was a communist that wanted to control the world. He just realized he couldn't. Yeah. And, and like Bernie Sanders. And it's it's sort of uh, to say that he operated or that the Cold War ended because of him is a it's half ridiculous. truth it's at ridiculous. best. Right. Sure. Right. The Cold War ended because of circumstances that we created. He was to the end it. he was the perfect opposite chess player for Ronald Reagan, and the two of them kept a cataclysmic potential. You know, if you remember, there were some very touchy moments. Yeah. During the Reagan administration, it when it looked like to the Russians that we were preparing a first strike and it looked to, to us like maybe they were thinking of that because when when uh, when the soviet military got desperate they started to roll out those kind of doomsday plans yeah it, it was it was very it was, it was interesting times and, and those two men kept it kept they they kept the world at peace so, i will give gorbachev major credit for that and i will give ronald reagan even more credit for yes that. Because yeah. it, it it took both those men. It took both, and and it's it's interesting because both had com- they both had a, a common goal for different reasons. So and they it, were both rational. They were yeah. rational men. Yeah, Gorbachev was rational in a way that Nikita Khrushchev and Leonid Brezhnev were not rational. No, they were they were just take over the world type of. Well, lunatics. obviously, he had somewhat of a conscience, like you said, if the, if the whole generation in a hamburger. You know, yes. he didn't want to see that again. Yes. Well, it, and, and and Reagan probably saw the same things. Yes. I don't want my country to look like that. I either. think that Gorbachev would have seen that again if he thought he could win. Perhaps I think maybe he, he that's was true. A, he was Perhaps. a he yeah. was a he was a card carrying Soviet. Yeah. Perhaps, but the giving, problem is he realized he couldn't win. That's it. Yeah. He realized, and and just realizing, okay is a gift. And he didn't he right. didn't rug sweep the facts like Stalin, Lenin, and all of the oh, Khrushchev and all right. these guys just rug swept the facts. I don't right. care. Go. You know, it's like that's it. Yeah. We're going to fake it until we make it. Well, Stalin killed all his generals right before Hitler invaded. He he decapitated his own army for for, you know, uh, for political reasons. Yeah. Because he was afraid yeah. of being challenged. Like after the because war. Because they knew he was, they knew it was hollow. Well, after mm-hmm. the war, you know, of course, General Zhukov, who basically was the general patent for the Soviet army. At you know, Stalingrad, right? No, yeah, no, yeah well, Khrushchev was at Stalingrad. All over. Yeah. All over. Zhukov was the the premier you know, a Russian general, the the one, you know, given the most profile in the Russian media. And after, as soon as the war ended, Stalin made sure that Zhukov disappeared. Yeah. You know, so, a nice little dacha somewhere up on a lake 
see you later, Georgie. You know, yeah. you, go enjoy yourself. Interesting, his first name was George, just like George Patton. Well, I guess we should say this. You know, credit to or credit to uh, Gorbachev where it's deserved, but right. credit only where it's deserved and right. not too much credit. And because of him, the world is a different place. He stood sure. He stood up to the KGB. He stood up to his party. He stood up to the party. He stood up to his military, and so did Yeltsin. Those are two remarkable men. I won't take a thing away from what they did that was remarkable. And, uh, you know, but for them, who knows where we would and be. And but for Reagan, who knows where we'd be. Well, honestly, Same thing, right? Obvious, so it's obvious, like you have to say it both obvious. ways. Uh, in, in, in the, th- the thing that kills me, to bring it to current day, the thing that kills me about the media and Donald Trump is that Donald Trump had most of the same policies as Ronald Reagan, but not the right personality. Yeah. He could not bring people True. together. Well, I think, look, Trump, as I said, Trump, it's Trump a terrible may be the tragedy. Only Democrat I ever supported, at least in, against the other side, because yeah. he, you know, he, a lot of his stuff, like he had gun control. Anyway, we're, I'm going to go that rabbit hole. But let's, um, let's wrap it up, Norm. You got anything else you want to hit quickly? I just would like to observe, um, you know, in, in the unending list of examples about how there are two different standards in this country for liberals and conservatives, I would like to point out uh, Chief of Staff General Milley. And I'd like to know, General Milley, where are you? Where is your outrage? Where are the articles in the New York Times? Where is your interview with CNN about the military props used in Biden's very dark, a very, uh, very Third Reichish little speech on Thursday, where you had Marine Corps Praetorian guards? used as stage props in the background as if you're the president of a military country, not the president of a civil society. And with all your dark lighting and your red backdrop, and uh, General Milley, who later apologized publicly because he went with President Trump across the street from the White House to a firebombed church. A church, he went in uniform and he said, I had no right to be in uniform and accompany the president on what was possibly perceived by the public as a political statement by him going to church on Sunday at a firebombed church across from the White House. The military should not be used in any kind of political way. And yet he is the chief of staff, just like he was under Trump, and allowed those Marine Corps guards to be Biden's little Roman columns like uh, Obama had during, the, the, during his nomination. Obama, uh, Biden, with these Marine Corps guys in the background standing at attention as if he'll call them forward to combat against the MAGA people, as if the military is going to be called out against conservatives. That was the implicit message. Where, the hell, it where, really the, hell, implicit. where the hell are you, General Milley? And hmm. I got to tell you, that, Brett, did you see that speech? I did not. Now Outrageous. I'm going to go see it. Outrageous. He is in this dark like it, it's all dark and he's got these red lights, sort of like the, the blue lights back there, but they're all red right. in the background. You can see right. like profiles of, of the Marines Joseph, in the background. Joseph mm-hmm. Goebbels would have been happy. It is, it is frightening. Even his, like even the Dems, like the party leaders in the Democrat party were like no, or, or commentators were saying, mm-hmm. 
on either side, this is totally inappropriate. And he's got his arms up and he's doing this. And he's talking about MAGA people and they're all insurrectionists and they're all this. I mean, it, it was just like, holy mackerel, what are you saying? And right. it, it's, it's, uh, it's like everything else. What they say, what they accuse the other side of being, they are themselves. And, you know, as, as he's calling out this fascist, these fascist MAGA people, he is behaving in this, what looked like nothing short of a Hitler speech in 1941. So I, you know, I am not the biggest fan of Donald Trump. I am not the biggest fan. I like some of his policies, not all. He was a disaster in many ways. But I would like you to put on your rational brain, you guys, mm -hmm. and tell me, when they look back on MAGA, I would like to know, because I can't figure it out. I honestly, they're either complete, bald, naked liars, or I am super stupid. I could be super stupid. What are the fascist aspects, because I missed it, of the Trump administration, of MAGA? What, as far as I know, yeah. I, I can't figure it out. Here, what here, are the fascist things? Here's what it is. They, they have, so fascism is a lot of things. And among the things that they're, the component of fascism is this concept of nationalism. So what they, you know, if you go back and, and just look and look and listen to Hitler's speeches, it was always like Germany first, Germany first, Germany yeah, first. Is this right. notion of pride in, yeah. in the, the motherland right, you know, or the right, fatherland. Right. And it had a very nationalist component to it. Right. The MAGA movement had a nationalist component to it. And I, I know this because I was- You mean you mean like George Washington and Thomas Jefferson right. did? But you, yeah, I'm getting right. there. So they were fascists. I'm getting there. Okay. Because I, I was arguing with somebody about this. She's like, well, these nationalists. And I was like, well, what is, I, I had to go unpack this. Like, what is nationalism? Right. Is nationalism pride in your country? Is nationalism wanting to put America first? Is nationalism saying, I support this country and all the freedoms that it that it uh, desires and, and deserves and, and protects and preserves? Uh, and what's wrong with that? So, it, it, and I did some I did some thinking on it, and I did some reading on it. Nationalism can be dangerous because it can it can it can push it can push you too far. That's called ultra nationalism. It, it can push you too far. That's right. But nationalism is also a component of every healthy country that's ever existed in the in the world. Um, it, you know, nationalism is a component of of. Uh, of Italy. Nationalism is a component of Ireland. Nationalism is a component. Nationalism can turn into isolationism. It can turn into isolationism. Because we didn't go into World War II so maybe soon enough. It can yeah, be that, bad. That yeah. It can be good. Yeah. It can be, it, but it's a, it's a, it's a critical component of a healthy country. We have to have an, we have to have pride in some respects of what our country stands for. And to do that, we have to understand and agree upon what it stands for. So, what they're really saying or at is, least have a healthy debate and an open debate where we can talk about what it's we're back for. to we're, yeah. we're circled full circle again back to this uh, postmodernist notion that there is no standard you know the standards all pliable the standard is all right uh, dependent upon the individual there you know right. it's a fungible thing and if we don't have that we don't have nationalism and, and they, they've just they want to destroy nationalism because the MAGA people there are parts of the MAGA movement that go too far with that nationalistic movement where they're saying we want white Christian Americans only. Okay. I've That's never, too far. I have never heard that out of any kind. So I've read all kinds of stuff. Trump has said 
and his immediate supporters. I'm not saying now that the, what what somebody in Idaho does fine. up on a hill. That's and what they're doing, Norm. He, though, yeah, I, right. I'm not saying that the MAGA movement oh. encourages that. I'm saying that some of those people who are part of the MAGA movement are also like that. And what they've done is they've take they being the other side is, yeah. has, has taken that component of it. So look, the KKK always supported somebody, and they're going right. to support whoever they they well, think. That's a cheap trick. So, so of like when, it's a cheap trick. when when yeah. Trump is campaigning, somebody sticks a mic in his face and goes, "Do you deny David Duke?" And he's like, well, "Who is that?" It's like, it's like, well, why am I having to deny David Duke? Are you going to ask a, a Biden over there if he denies? Sure, I, these I don't, are ambush I, tricks. Yeah, I mean, right. to so to say that everybody the Unabomber. Voted, hey, hey, Biden, do you do you condemn what the Unabomber did in the name of environmentalism? Right. And there, what are, the hell are you talking about? Why would you ask him that question? So if we took if we looked at all the people who voted for Joe Biden and his movement and picked out the worst and then judged everybody else right by that right. standard. That's what they're doing to the MAGA people. Well, they, the Nazis and the Klanners aren't in uh, Trump's movement. No. Uh, uh, except by way of whatever they want to say. If they want to say they're part of it, but Trump's never said, I welcome those people. Oh, never. Right. I mean, when Charlottesburg happened, he said there were good sides on, uh, there were good people on both sides of the issue about the statues. Right. He didn't say there's good people right. on it's, both it's, sides of racism. It is classic Trump Jesus uh, blundering because I, what he was trying to impart and what he said could be taken out of context and, and, and well, when, mean something when, else. Well, when one side controls all the dominant media, right. you have no you chance. No benefit of the doubt. Right. On right. So, right. so I, I guess what I, it, what bothers me about this is you take the MAGA movement and now everybody's like, that's some sort of negative thing. Look, make America great again is not a horrible slogan. It's a great slogan. Make America great again, man. Let's be great. Let's be on top of the world. Right. Let's be the people who do good in the world. Let's be the people who, uh, right who uh, come to the aid of those who need it. Let's be the military force that is the strongest in the world but operates for good and sure. not evil. Let's be the force that dismantles the evil empire of the Soviet Union who killed millions and millions of people, um, uh, enslaved millions of others, and let's be the country that took that down. Let's be great. What was stenciled on what's the nose? Wrong with that? What was stenciled on the nose of the Strategic Air Command's bombers? Okay? I don't know. Peace through strength. All right. Yeah, there you go. And what it was, it was a mailed fist, you know, like the knights of, of, of old, a mailed fist holding thunderbolts coming out of the fist, right? And that's stenciled on the side of a B-36 peacemaker. That was the name of their bomber, the peacemaker. Yeah. That bomber, when Kurt LeMay from Columbus, Ohio, was the head of the Strategic Air Command, that bomber never dropped a bomb in anger. It never bombed anybody. Or aggression. And, and you right. know why? Because we scared the living shit out of dictators like Stalin, Brezhnev, right. you know, and all their successors. And all those years, we held the other side, the evil empire, as Ronald Reagan so rightly called them, because they oppressed the Yugoslavs, the Hungarians, the East Germans, the Poles. They were a force for evil. And if people can't see that, there's something wrong with them. They need to go talk to Poles. They need to talk to Hungarians and Czechs. They need to talk to people in Eastern Europe about what it was like to live under the boot of Joe Stalin and his successors. Yeah, those people... It's, we have a lack of education here. People don't understand. We are building a Soviet Union here in the United States we, right now. We are. And it's... Uh, look, make America great again... There, I, I would 
say this about any either of the parties or third parties if they exist. If you judge them based on the worst of the worst that support whatever some like look you're gonna, there's people are going to support it there's people are not going to support it but if you judge them based on the worst of the worst people and say then it must be a horrible uh, group then you are committing the same fallacy that uh, that collectivism always commits right right it's like you are you are you are drawing conclusions of the whole you are committing racism on on a different level and it's, every every community has its factions that are the worst of the worst of course. Right. Church, religion, whatever it might be, they I, have it. I like your hat. That's part of your community. <laughs> He's got a Kermit, Kermit the Frog hat on Brett, which That's is awesome. it's so gorgeous. I I get good God, but, I love well, Brett. But every community has it, so own it, own it, and and evaluate, evaluate it, evaluate exactly. what's really going on. Yeah. And it, to me, whenever I hear these sort of broad brushed collective statements about anything by either party. I always say, what a bunch of nonsense. It, yeah. it, th- that kind of over-stereotypical right. uh, statement is always just rhetoric. Yeah, and, so, it, and it goes back to what you were saying much earlier in the podcast, Norm, about not having a discourse, labeling, oh. just to shut somebody, to cancel. That's it's, right. That, that's that's, a, that's all a, it is. What do you say? You're racist. Boom, done. Well, Boom. I'm done talking to you. Right. All the MAGA people are racist. They're horrible. Done. They're insurrectionists. Right. They want to overturn democracy. Right. Done. And you I know. got the Marine Corps behind me to back and, me and, up. And you right. know what? They yeah. shouldn't have any right of free speech to even talk their nonsense. Yeah. Let's put them in the dark, put and, let, in the dark. And, let it, and let it just it is Breed authoritarian. Itself. Exactly. It, it is. It is the seeds of authoritarianism. Those, happening those, right in front of those us. mothers going of both of all races. I saw black mothers, black fathers. I saw. I saw people of all races and ages going to those Virginia school board meetings, and they're being called white supremacists. And they threw that governor out and elected Glenn Youngkin. Yep. So, uh, and yet in a local town hall, and yet, and yet, our FBI and our our, uh, our our secretary of of, of ju- our what do you call attorney general Merrick Garland they labeled those Virginia parents as the worst threat to democracy. Yeah. Well, with that, we got to wrap it up. Uh, so another awesome episode of the roundtable. We missed this. We missed it last week, and you know it's been sporadic because of my schedule, Norm's schedule, and Brett's schedule. But uh, we are doing our best to bring you this awesome content week in and week out. Uh, as always, the Q and A is alive and kicking, um, and I am uh, taking on questions more so than ever for reasons that I'll get into next time. Uh, so there'll be lots of Q and A, Q and A, Q and A, uh, and that means you should send your questions to lawyertalkpodcast.com. I don't mind what they are. I'll even bring in some guests to help answer if I don't know the answer. If I can take it on myself, I'll do it myself. I've got one in the tank, one coming uh, that, I'll, that I'll have out hopefully this week, and um, more in the wings. So if you want to be part, get in line. Uh, the last one came from a uh, somebody halfway across the globe, so that was uh, pretty cool. I think all the way over in Spain. Uh, anyway, so this has been Lawyer Talk Roundtable, off the record, on the air, at least until now.